Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Laura Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently abled child. Liza Blass is a storyteller and the host of Very Happy Stories podcast. She brings hope, empowerment, and validation to parents raising kids with unique challenges. Liza delivers inspiring stories and shares her best practices for healing through her podcast, speaking engagements, and personal transformational coaching. Her stories are inspired by her personal experiences raising two children, both challenged with conditions like depression, anxiety, ADHD, OCD, pandas, and chronic Lyme disease. Prior to launching her podcast, Liza was a top commercial real estate broker and developed IVF medical facilities, autism schools, and surgical centers in the Chicagoland area. In her free time, Liza enjoys yoga, entertaining friends with yummy gluten-free and dairy-free dishes, and spends time with her family. In today's episode, she and I talk about what happens after the acceptance of your new life and your changed dreams. Let's get to it. I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. We met a while ago online, but we're finally connecting in person while sort of like online in person. It's weird these days, right? (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It's all good. But it's so great that we can connect because I live in Michigan. And where do you live? I live in Chicago. We're actually not far. So I'm on that. Yeah, because I'm on the west side. So we're just a few hours from one another. But we can see each other face to face on Zoom. So tell us, if you would please, about your children. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. So I have two kids. I have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. And they both... Um, have been diagnosed with Lyme disease and co-infections and various bacterial infections. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting though. We, we've kind of been living the Lyme life for some time, which unfortunately is the story for so many people. It's a very complicated illness and getting diagnosed is tricky and it just is the storyline where you you have to go a year or two, sometimes more, before a diagnosis. So that's kind of the life we live. I have heard that from several people. I just, you know, over the years have met a handful, a small handful of people with Lyme disease or their children with Lyme disease. And yeah, that's across the board, like so hard to get diagnosed. Yeah. So, <clears throat> When did your kids get diagnosed? How long has it been? So my kids were diagnosed uh, February of 2020. And we did a bulk of the healing and treatment over 
COVID quarantine really, which kind of ended up being a blessing in disguise because everybody had kind of timed out in life, like took a big right. time out. Right. Um, but I have to say that they were both ill emotionally, mentally, and physically leading up to that for about three to five years up and down on and off. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my daughter was diagnosed first, maybe a month before. And it's so interesting because you could have two people in the same family, like my own, and they present very differently. Um, so it is a very, it's a very tricky thing, but, um, yeah, so it was in February of 2020 is when we were diagnosed. Wow. About four or five years being, and as you described physically, mentally, emotionally mm -hmm. unwell. So what did yes. that look like? What did that look like? What change did you sure. see in them? And yeah, well, I'll start with my son first. I would say he was a really happy go lucky kid, really funny kid and still is, but he really just was having extreme panic anxiety, kind of like a panic disorder. And um, he actually went into his very first partial hospitalization program for anxiety, school refusal, and suicidal ideation in the fourth grade. And we know now that it really was all connected to this bacterial infection. Um, but he also would randomly complain about his leg hurting. And of course I would take him to the appropriate doctors and everything would check out just fine. Now with my daughter, she was experiencing things like chronic fatigue. She would literally need to go to bed at like seven o'clock. Um, she would have to cancel at the last minute for like social obligations or even social outings with her friends, it's just from chronic fatigue. But really what led us to Lyme ultimately was her mental health. She had severe OCD and eating disorder that was tied to OCD and hallucinations. And that was really um, how we got to Lyme. I was, as you know, I was like desperate for answers. You know, a mother's going to go up, down, and around, and just try to get her the right diagnosis. I took her to one of the top university hospitals in the nation in the Chicago area. And they told me this is not schizophrenia. This is not bipolar. It's just really high anxiety. And finally, I was going to rule out Lyme disease so that we could still go on our way for a mental health disorder. And this is where she kind of lit up wow. on the test as having Lyme and several co-infections. And we know today that she also has this condition called PANS, which yeah. is kind of similar to pandas, but um, which is also an underlying bacteria. So, so we're still in it. And also you know? very hard to di get diagnosed. 100%. Yes. So I'm so grateful for you too, like having me on this podcast and just talking about these things because the awareness is so important. Absolutely. So tell us what is PANS? So PANS, now I forget what it stands for, um, but it's basically like a pediatric neurological disorder where an infection such as strep, Epstein-Barr virus, Lyme disease can ultimately, ultimately launch your child into a neurological situation 
where they have inflammation in their brain, their body, their immune system in essence is kind of attacking their brain in layman's terms. And, um, you really have to find a way to eradicate the, the infection. Mm. I heard it tied a lot to strep. So that makes sense. Yeah. So when it's tied to strep, that's where you use that formal name pandas. If it's tied to another infection, not strep, it's pans. Okay. Um, and we're still, and, and I think specifically my daughter's is autoimmune encephalitis, which is all kind of under the same umbrella. I mean, in essence, their brains are under attack by their immune system. Wow. And so being able to rid of, of the Lyme disease is the treatment, is the cure. Well, yes and no. Yeah, no, I know it's so complicated. So she's been in Lyme treatment. We were able to bring down a lot of her load um, through actually a process called whole body hyperthermia, but the underlying um, pans is still there. So it's, you know, it's kind of like an onion. There's many, many, many layers. Um, but you know, through the journey, I have to say that, um, my kids have, especially my daughter has a, a, a large bandwidth of resilience and mental endurance based on all the things she's had to go through. So whatever, it came in this order, you know, that we treated the Lyme and we're still kind of treating Lyme, although her load is down, but we're really going after this infection now, the pants. Okay. Yeah. Right. Gosh, it, it, it's an onion, but a super complicated onion. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, onions it themselves is. are, are hard. I, I have an onion child. <laughs> Yes. At least one, maybe two. I know and, you can uh, relate. And they're hard and it takes a really long time to mm-hmm. figure out those layers and whatnot. But yours are also super complicated, which is even harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this has been, you know, going on for some five years, but you finally got diagnoses. So did that feel good at least to, to relieving in a way when you finally- it did. What it was. Yeah. yeah, because we finally had the validation that we're not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just val- thinking that exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the validation is so important and the acceptance too. I mean, you know, acceptance in this world is 90% of the battle mm. of getting your head right. And it's easier to accept a diagnosis, then accept nothing. You right. know what I'm saying? Cause you don't know what you're dealing with. And it's in, in my case, it was, it's been such an interesting journey because Laura, I didn't know that I was a mother of special needs children. I didn't know that. And so it was, it's, it's, it was the validation was so welcoming for me. There's a lot of grief there, as you know, but I mean, it did feel good to know at least we fall in a bucket somewhere. And there are are some doctors somewhere that know about this and can help you. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. And we still, it's still a team effort, you know, as it it is for so many um, conditions. But, and it's not one doctor, you know, you start assembling your team. Like you said, there's so many onion layers. Um, And 
I think the thing that I try to do so much because it is such a marathon, not a sprint is to just stay present and deal with what's on the table today. And that has really helped me along the way, stay empowered and in the moment and still experience things like joy because it is complicated. It's super, super complicated and will continue to be. Um, and so that's just my one thing that I always try to remind myself is just to stay present. Kudos to you for that, because that alone is super hard for so many people. Oh yeah. That's the work for me. I was, that is the work that is the work. And and it's not easy work. It's not something that our society really readily trains us for. Um, so true. Growing up, we really have to kind of figure out how to learn that ourselves. Yes. So how did you get there? I mean, let's unpack a little bit um, of, you know, you mentioned the grief, which is such a big part of our stories, um, raising our kids. And so, you know, you had typically developing kids for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden you're seeing these mental health issues primarily. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yes. you know, sky high anxiety and, and things like that. So you, and, and so you sort of trickled into it, you know? Yes. So that's kind of different than just it is different. Yeah, I had like my toe yeah. in the water. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I would, I was kind of like had my toe in the water and we also had, um, we also had learning disabilities. And, the, and that was really my son's, you know, as my daughter and my son both had mental health challenges, we also ramped up to the 504 IEP world. So okay. yeah, I mean, it's, and it's just slowly starts happening, you know, that we need more accommodations. We need more, we need more. And it is all interrelated. Um, but I think how I got through my darkest days was I just wrote it all down. I'm really big on journaling. Um, you know, I'm kind of like that closet writer that just puts it all out. It really helps me process what's happening right now. I had many years of my own physical health um, being a problem. I have, I also have an autoimmune, I have a thyroid condition. And I did realize that in order for me to help my kids, I had to recover from my own physical ailments. So a lot of my work just started with me of fixing my sleep issues, um, fixing my adrenals, getting my supplements and my body in check so that I could handle the challenges of our everyday life. Um, and then just journaling and getting my story out on paper. And then I think there was a big pivot also in my journey of coming to a place of empowerment by sharing my story. The big pivot came for me when I started sharing my story because over the years, I have, I had kind of put up these mama bear walls, if you will, to protect our family from, I don't know, the shame that I thought might, they might feel of all of these mental health issues. Um, and I, when I started to slowly take down this wall and step back into the community and share my story, that's really where I got movement. 
I got movement, I got to Lyme disease. Um, and that's really where the healing began. So beautiful. I love it so much. I just, I've been listening and and chomping at the bit because you went, as soon as you mentioned journaling, I was so sold. It's so beautiful. Um, you know, I have a membership where I try to support other moms who have kids with special needs in, in their self-care journey. And every month we focus on a different topic and, um, April was that. journaling. Yeah. April was journaling and it's yeah. a hard sell. It's a hard sell. So many people are kind of just against journaling, um, or re- if they're not against it, then, um, just have a really hard time getting started Sure, habit. And I was like that too, really most really? of my life. I was just never a big journaler. I tried, I'll go back and just recently went back and like looked on the shelf of all these old journals started. And the first page of every single one is a my big commitment to how I'm gonna fill this journal in this way for this purpose. And I all about, you know, that topic and, uh, you know, often tracking things about my daughter and whatnot. And, you know, they all just womp, womp, fizzle out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how do you resonate with journaling so much and how did you make it a habit? Um, I resonate with journaling because I feel that the journey for me was so lonely and there was so much I wanted to, I needed to tell people, but I didn't, A, I didn't want to be a burden. B, I also have problems managing other people's reactions. Like if I really were to tell people during the darkest days of what was happening, I didn't have the emotional capacity to to manage their emotional reaction. So I think it was born for me out of just like um, loneliness (laughs) um, to, to, to get it all out. And how the way I start is I'm feeling blank. So like I, my journal, if you open some of my old, old journals, it'll be something like, I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling like God has given up on me. I'm feeling, and then it just rolls out. Yes. Like it's the whole point is to get your feelings out. Okay. And when you get the feelings out, then you can start to process what's happening. Right. So I think that might just be an easy suggestion of a prompt of I'm feeling pissed off. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling like my kids are never going to have a normal life because whatever you're feeling is valid and you just got to get it out there. I love that. That's such a beautiful suggestion. Thank you for that so much. Absolutely. This conversation is so good. We'll get right back to it after this. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed just as the butterfly from her chrysalis. And you've got Flight Club. The big pivot came for me when I started sharing my story because over the years I have, I had kind of put up these mama bear walls, if you will, to protect our family from 
I don't know, the shame that I thought might, they might feel of all of these mental health issues. Um, and I, when I started to slowly take down this wall and step back into the community and share my story, that's really where I got movement. I got movement. I got to Lyme disease. Um, and that's really where the healing began. So beautiful. I love it so much. I just, I've been listening and, and chomping at the bit because you went, as soon as you mentioned journaling, I was so sold. It's so beautiful. Um, you know, I have a membership where I try to support other moms who have kids with special needs in, in their self-care journey. And every month we focus on a different topic and, um, April was journaling. Yeah. April was journaling and it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. So many people are kind of just against journaling, um, or if they're not against it, then, um, just have a really hard time getting started. Sure. Habit. And I was like that too, really most of my life. I was just never a big journaler. I tried, I'll go back and just recently went back and like looked on the shelf of all these old journals started. And the first page of every single one is a my big commitment to how I'm going to fill this journal in this way for this purpose. And I am all about, you know, that topic and, uh, you know, often tracking things about my daughter and whatnot. And, you know, they all just womp, womp, fizzle out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you resonate with journaling so much and how did you make it a habit? Um, I resonate with journaling because I feel that the journey for me was so lonely and there was so much I wanted to, I needed to tell people, but I didn't, A, I didn't want to be a burden. B, I also have problems managing other people's reactions. Like if I really were to tell people during the darkest days of what was happening, I didn't have the emotional capacity to to manage their emotional reaction. So I think it was boring for me out of just like um, loneliness (laughs) um, to, to, to get it all out. And how the way I start is I'm feeling blank. So like I, my journal, if you open some of my old, old journals, it'll be something like, I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling like God has given up on me. I'm feeling, and then it just rolls out. Yes. Like it's the whole point is to get your feelings out. And when you get the feelings out, then you can start to process what's happening. Right. So I think that might just be an easy suggestion of a prompt of I'm feeling pissed off. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling like my kids are never going to have a normal life because whatever you're feeling is valid and you just got to get it out there. I love that. That's such a beautiful suggestion. Thank you for that so much. Absolutely. So I love that you journal and can you, can you tell us what your grief looked like when things started sinking in about what's going on with my kids? Why, why are all these things happening? You probably, I mean, it took years to get diagnosed. So what did that look like? How did you grieve? Oh, I just remember feeling like, how long is this going to last? 
How long are we going to be in rituals and protocols? I mean, I know every parent with a special needs child has a whole different routine of your morning routine and your life routine and things that people take for granted. Um, and I just, I really, to be honest, I kind of grieved the days where I had normalcy. Um, I grieved just the, you know, the everyday things of just being able to drop off your kid at school or even having them walk to school and walk home. All of these little everyday things of a quote unquote normal, typical life. I grieved that, those everyday yeah. moments. And be- I think, you know, I think so often that grief you know, I, I just think that so often all of these things, but that particularly that kind of grief for us is, is so often undetected, like not identified as grief, so often labeled as other emotions, you know, anger comes, <laughs> comes up a lot. And, and not that you don't have those other emotions, but people don't recognize that the underlying reason is the grief. And yeah. so there's oftentimes anger, you know, sadness, a lot of depression comes in, Um, for those kinds of situations where you're just like, this just sucks. Like, yeah, I, I remember when it wasn't until my youngest daughter um, entered third grade, that was my first experience, just going to open house at the beginning of the school year, like all the other parents without up until then, she had had teachers who my other daughter had had prior. And so they already knew our story. So you know, I didn't have that experience until she was in third grade where, where she had a brand new teacher that didn't sure. know us. And I didn't have to do the email ahead of time. And in August before school starts of, can we, can we have a one-on-one meeting this, you know, before we all yeah. just used Zoom. <laughs> I know, I know. Scheduling the preschool parent meeting um, always, you know, for my other two kids. And so it was weird. Yeah. It was weird. I was like, I just kept looking around like, is right. this what it feels like to just be like everybody else? Is this yes. what normal feels like? It's yes. so weird. It is. And I had that. And then it kind of all got taken away from so me. You so really it was a different journey. Yes. Yeah. I knew what I was missing. And, 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 and I have to say though, now that we are at more of a place of quote unquote normalcy, I will never take advantage of the morning grind ever again. I savor it. And and my daughter's in high school now, and it used to be such a burden. And it was so full of angst and got to get out the door. Do you have your lunch? Do you have this? And now it's so amazing to come back in and just be so grateful for it. And I am so grateful, Lara. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of like a second chance of doing things over. I could tell you for my husband, he really grieved Saturday morning soccer games mm-hmm. and being on a wrestling team. I think like a lot of husbands have this dream of taking their kids to sports and maybe a lot of mothers too, parents in general. And he was most certainly, he felt robbed of those fantasies and had to grieve that because of the physicality of Lyme, what Lyme disease does to your body. 
Um, but I, I always told, told my husband, and I, I truly believe this, Laura, of when you get over acceptance, you know, of this, these are our cards. Like we don't have those cards in life. We've got these, these are still good cards. We've got really creative kids. We've got, you know, kids that have resilience that have been through things. I have children that can process their emotions better than a 40 year old, some 40 year olds out there in midlife because of the journey. So we have to always remind ourselves that like, we have good cards. We're going to play these cards. We're going to strengthen the, the, the hand that we are dealt and we're going to use them to our advantage. And you really do have to reframe your mindset. Yes. And that Liza is beautifully said as the name of this podcast, changing your dreams. Yes. That yes. Laura. That's the whole reason of the naming of this podcast is you said it so beautifully. And so, but it's a process. It's a process to get. It's a process. Yes. And I love the name of your podcast. What a gift to the community. Um, Yes. It's, 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 it's where the work is too. Also. For sure. For sure. So they're in a better place. You have your new normal. You're tackling everything systematically. Yes. You're sitting in a kind of a sweet spot. Yeah. You know, it's still up and down. So we took a break, like for each child is different. My son took a break um, and we started gearing back up again. It's good sometimes to have your body break from stuff. And and now we're going to go super gentle. I think the insurgency of, you know, killing the Lyme, I think those days are done. And now we're kind of at a place where it's going to be like slow and steady wins the race with my daughter. We are at a place of detoxing, um, some of the after effects of her Lyme treatment and really trying to come up with the correct treatment for her pans. So we're still in it. I think what's changed is our mindset, our place of empowerment, and just really taking it day by day. When you leave the moment, when you're so anxious and you leave the moment, that can just snowball into a rabbit hole. And so I really try to like bring my mindset back to the present. So that's what we're in. You know, Sunday, my daughter had a terrible day, a huge um, hole of depression. And it was really hard to go through, but the next day she was fine. And I even need to be reminded that we swing up and down, we ride the waves, but they're just waves. So, I mean, I need regular reminding of that too. Right. And that, you know, that's so great because I, I just instantly identified with what you just described, um, with a specific, you know, incident where someone, um, kind of close to our family, but not at all involved in our, what our everyday life is really like, um, has, this has happened on more than one occasion where, you know, everyone will ask, Oh, how, you know, how's Taylor doing? How's everybody doing? Um, Oh, she's really good. She's great. Oh, so, you know, so she doesn't scream anymore, have meltdowns. I'm like, Oh no, like that's, (laughs) 
that's who she is. Like that's right. just part of life. Like those right. things don't go away. Right. We can still have bad, bad days. A hundred percent and still be doing good. But still be doing good. Yes. I agree. I agree. It is. It's hard to, I, I and it, you sound like you're at a place now where you can really manage other people's emotions and other people's reactions so well. And Thank that's you for coming back to too. that. You mentioned that at the beginning when you said, mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't in a place to manage other people's emotions. Oh, yeah. so important. Yeah. So important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Through it's the journey. responsibility to do that. It's not our responsibility. No, no, it's not at all. Um, but it just, I don't feel like the pang of ache when I even encounter that anymore. And it sounds like you don't at all. So that's, that is where you start stepping into more empowerment, you know, when you've gotten to that place. Yes. Yes. But it's, it, I mean, that's definitely another long part of the process, right? Yes, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Down on the path. Yes. Yes. Um, but for so, so, so many parents who are, you know, more in the beginning of, of all this, or, you know, they might not feel like they're at the beginning, but it's a long road. And so if they're not there yet, where they can accept that it's so important, you know, I think for us to tell them, you don't have to be responsible for other people's emotions. And that is something to let go of because you have enough to figure out of your own emotions and your own self and your own, you know, managing your kids and their emotions. So yeah, that's that so go. true, Lara. A hundred percent. Yes. I love it. Good stuff. So good. <laughs> okay. So I would love for you to tell us what are you doing now? Like share. You've got a little podcast yeah. situation Absolutely. going. Absolutely. Yes, I do. Um, thank you so much, Lara. So I do have a podcast called very happy stories. And the first season I just kind of put, I literally cracked open my journal and I just did storytelling because I really wanted people to hear that this stuff is happening so that you don't feel alone. And they really were stories of inspiration. I, you know, at the end, I would always talk about our gratitude over grievance and then So now I bring other storytellers on to the podcast to share their story. I really feel like storytelling is so therapeutic too, not for the person sharing the story, but for the people hearing the story. So that's what it is. It's a storytelling podcast. And then I also do do coaching, um, as well, where I, and I do one-on-one where if people are stuck in the swirl of chaos and just want to climb out to start doing the work, I help them make that transition. Beautiful. Yeah. And I, um, I am launching a blog this month, um, to go and again, it's a very happy stories blog. It's a, it's a storytelling blog and I am going to be launching a digital course at the end of the month. So, so Ooh, much happening. Yes. I didn't know about that. Yeah. It's more about that. What's that going to look like? What is that going to So what it's going to look like is I'm just taking my best practices of the common themes that I'm seeing in my one-on-one coaching. So that sometimes people don't want to do one-on-one coaching. A lot of people in this Zoom world just want to do something on demand. So I take a lot of my content and I just kind of put it in short presentations, like 10, seven minutes, 10 minute modules, right? Mm -hmm. Like a module I can give you um, one is 
how to have a good day when your kids have a terrible day. The ability to still have a good day when your kids have a terrible day is a practice. So like mm-hmm. that's one of the modules. So that'll be rolling out at the end. I remember of the month. when you did that podcast episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Lovely. Yeah. Great. Yes. So, um, so that's just what it is. And, um, you know, you could just follow, you could follow very happy stories, um, on Instagram or even, um, on the podcast. I have a newsletter. If you just Google searched very happy stories, you will find me. I love the name. I love, and you are a beautiful storyteller. So I really encourage everyone to listen to your podcast as well, because you really are just really eloquent and lovely storyteller and we're in there with you. And it's, it's a really great, really great listen. Yeah. And you're pretty fantastic yourself here. I mean, yeah, I love all that you're doing. I I mean, the podcast didn't catch us, but at the beginning, I really had to just first start and say, I love your energy. It's so, your energy is very healing, Lara. So what you do for the world is so important. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that greatly. I am so happy we met and I am so happy to share very happy stories um, with all of my listeners. So I hope everyone will go check you out. Thank you so much, Liza. It was lovely talking with you today and I wish you and, and all of your family the best in health and well-being. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on your podcast, Lara. Dear, dear. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself along your parenting journey or how you can better support those special needs parents in your life, you can follow me on social media, Lara Kitts on Facebook and at Lara.Kitts on Instagram. And that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have a blog on my website that's worth subscribing to. Check it out at LaraKitts.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.